well, I've looked over the zero friction data and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Why in the hell would SRAM have a, have the force chain be more efficient than the red chain? Nice. I'm glad we're talking about this. I, I didn't know <laughs> if we would get to this. Why? Point. Why? Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Coaches on Couches. Being slouches. Today, we're going to talk about waxing. Brazilian? That's There's a start. Cole, can you do Brazilian? No. I okay. knew that was going to come. We'll stick to okay. chains. We'll stick to chains, <laughs> then. We're chain waxing. Chain waxing today. We've got Cole McDaniel on the couch of 901 Wax, a waxing aficionado. You could call it that. Just not sort of Brazilian. (laughs) (laughs) But first, I am Coach Dale Sanford. I am Coach Bryant Funston. We are the co-founders of BPC Performance Coaching, where we specialize in helping time-crunched athletes optimize their busy schedules so they can maximize their athletic performance. You can find out more about BPC by going to buildpeakcompete.com. Checking us out on Facebook and YouTube at Build Peak Compete and all up on that Instagram at BPC Performance. Because why would you want all three to be the same? I don't, yeah, I'm not really sure how that happened, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> yeah. All right. So jumping into it, the, I mean, I think waxing has been like the thing lately. Of all the things that come up uh, in in cycling, all the trends, I think as far as marginal gains wise, waxing has yeah. been the one. Uh, the uh, what's that? What's the website? The uh, frictionless or friction zero, zero fr- friction cycling? Yeah, zero friction cycling. Yeah. They've kind of like yeah, he's got a lot of attention lately. Yeah, got a lot of the. They've done a lot of the research and yeah, done a lot of the testing and whatnot. But. Um, for starters, why, why do we have to put anything on our chain at all? Well, you want it to be lubricated. If it's just dry metal on dry metal, then it's just going to be very grippy and it's going to wear itself out really fast. And it's going to wear out the rest of your drivetrain really fast. So you got to have something on there, some kind of oil or wax or like the dry lubes, which are like Teflon based, something like that just to make it slippery. Yeah, I guess if you kind of think about like a car engine, you definitely want to make sure there's oil in your car. Otherwise, longevity is... (laughs) Yeah, you got metal rubbing on metal and it just, everything eats itself. Adds heat and a lot of other bad stuff to the equation. But isn't polished metal like uh, pretty pretty slick or... (laughs) I mean, sort of. So run through, uh, you know, you mentioned a few of the different types. What what are the options out there as yeah. far as things we can put on our chain? I know a lot of folks, like growing up, it was WD-40. Yep. Oh, yeah, baby. Put that on there, you're good to go for at yeah. least one ride. Yeah. <laughs> Next Run ride, through the different options. WD-40. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Until you have a cake. And, and then yeah. you can't and find it, and then you're in trouble. Uh, but run through the different options. I know some people are probably going to be familiar like I always was using just the what is it Pro Gold Lube or yeah. whatever that was like kind of my standard uh, go to. But kind of talk through the different options, and then we're gonna obviously gonna dive deeper into the the waxing side of things because you know that's where that's where you're at right now, yeah. and more people are going that direction also. 
Yeah, so kind of your your old school old school lubes were wet lube and dry lube. So wet lube is just like an oil-based something or other. Different people put different additives in it to try to make it faster, more slippery, but it's just some kind of oil-based lubricant. A dry lube is I think most of them were like PTFE, which is basically Teflon, and it would be in some sort of solution of alcohol or water or whatever. So you put it on the chain, you're supposed to wipe off the excess, and then whatever the alcohol or whatever would evaporate, and it would just leave these dry particles of whatever lubricant they had in there. Okay. So then more recently, we've seen a lot of companies come out with wax-based drip lubes. So it's similar to a dry lube sort of where it's wax suspended in some kind of solution okay and the solution dries off and so you're left with actual wax similar to a hot melt wax all on the chain and then the last option which has actually been around a long time but like dale was saying has gotten a lot more attention lately as people sort of work their way through the marginal gains is the hot melt wax so that's literally you take Sometimes it comes in a big brick. Sometimes it comes all chunked up, but you take solid wax and you put it in a crock pot or something similar and you melt it and you submerge the chain in the wax. So those are the options for chain lubrication. I think it's important to note here. Uh, Cole, what's your day job? I'm an engineer by day. There you go. So, <laughs> okay. I'll we'll just throw that in there. Yeah. When I started on this, little street I, cred. I really enjoyed like nerding out on all of these details and it was just like that's kind of how I got started really as I was started waxing for myself last summer okay because the marginal gains like I thought I was just going to do it as race chains at first and then I started like experiencing all the other benefits which we'll get into and I was just hooked because you and I when we were first chatting about it on a group ride yeah probably a month ago or so one of the things you mentioned was like the first time you waxed your chain you're like wow I could hear the air like hitting my brake cables and stuff yeah, as opposed this, to the drivetrain noise. I heard this like weird like whistling noise. I was like, is there something like on my bike or something? And I realized it was just the wind coming across the brake cables and the shifter cables because the chain was so quiet. Yep. I had like never heard that sound yeah. before. <laughs> yeah. If you, if you do not like a noisy drivetrain, I can attest to the fact that uh, it, is, it is so much more quiet. Yeah, I was going to mention this later, but... Um, for those of you out there that are running a force axis drivetrain, it is the noisiest drivetrain I've ever owned. Yeah, ever. like I won't even ride next to Dale when he's on that <laughs> on that bike. It just you can't like. There's maybe three or four gears that it's pretty smooth, and then there's a lot of them that it's just like, what is wrong with this thing? The one that you're not in. Yeah, it's never the <laughs> or one. the smooth yeah. ones. <laughs> and after running the wax chain. One ride, the for, the only th- the well, the major thing that I like noticed immediately was I can't hear the drivetrain, like I mm-hmm. can't like this is the first first ever, and it was a brand new chain on a not new cassette, which is you know not the greatest thing to do, but uh, couldn't hear it. Yeah, so I was I was fairly that was that was plus one waxing. Yeah, that's you know that's not a marginal gain. It doesn't make you faster, but a lot of people, once they switch, like they get used to that and they really enjoy it. I will tell you that that drivetrain noise uh, plagued my brain for a <laughs> long time. I was like, I am losing 20 watts. 20 watts to this grinding oh, yeah. chain. 
And uh, if nothing else, it was placebo, placebo yeah, you, gains. You feel like everything is just smooth and silent and just silky and fast. Well, it's just like when you first put on a disc wheel. And you hear that like, whoa, whoa, oh, yeah, whoa. Yeah, Just the noise. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. In that case, the noise of the wheel, you're like, oh, man. <laughs> and this, it's the lack of the noise. You're like, oh, that's smooth as butter. That's got to be a good thing. All right, so let's let's dive into more on the, the waxing side of things. You yeah. talked about the different types of lubes. We're going to talk in uh, some a little bit later about where wax may not be the ideal option. Um, but let's dive into to waxing. So... Um, you know, faster. A lot of folks that are that are listening to this podcast are going to be interested in what are the gains that that come from having that. So I know you've got a lot of info on this. Yeah. So just kind of run us through that first thing, like how will this make you faster? And if so, do you have any on data on how much? Yeah. So that's the big one is it makes you faster. So depending on what websites, what data you're looking at, most people say two to six or two to eight watts faster. And so the first thing is, what are we comparing that against? So what that's being compared to is a nice clean chain with some other lubricant on it applied per the manufacturer's specifications. Okay. So like a dry lube, a wet lube, a wax lube, whatever, that's what we're comparing against. Okay. So the wax lubes are where you're not going to be saving as much. It's like a really nice wax lube like Silka Super Secret is only maybe two watts slower if okay. your chain is really clean. But if okay. you're using a, like an old school dry wax or, I mean, a dry lube or a wet lube, you're working, talking about eight, maybe even more watts as your chain gets dirty. Okay. Interesting. So, yeah. We'll, so, we'll it's, it's going to be a bit of a scale then. So, when it's freshly clean, when you first have lubed it all up, going to be the most efficient when yeah. we're talking about the other the other methods out there yeah. um, but as you you know if you wait a week before you're re-lubing your right. chain uh and you know that's i think typical for most people depending yeah. on how many miles you ride usually i would do once a week yeah apply more wipe once, it off a apply a little more i used to do it once it started making noise <laughs> which was exactly way yeah. too late exactly yeah. yeah i always tried to prevent the noise from from happening yeah um so more of a progressive is it the same with with a hot wax or is the efficiency the same throughout? Is it something where like mile 200, it's less efficient than it would be when it's first applied? Yeah. So the hot wax, one of the benefits is it stays really clean. So I'm kind of jumping ahead to the cleaner benefit out of the faster benefit, but it stays really clean. And so it stays faster. Okay. So like the extreme examples, if you're running a wet lube, one of the oil-based lubes, mm -hmm. those are the ones where your chain is just black and greasy and gunky like that one i gave to you yeah if you're <laughs> if you're running a wet lube they can some of them are really really fast when you just put them on mm -hmm. and everything's clean but any dust any debris any like road grit or especially if you're riding like gravel or mountain bike any dust anything no. is going to just jump on there and stick in it and get all inside that chain and so it starts to lose its efficiency really fast gotcha with the hot wax because the chain is actually, the insides are actually filled with wax, basically it's slowly pushing wax out. So it's gotcha. sort of like self-cleaning. And also just the way the wax is, it stuff doesn't stick to it like it does with other lubes. So 
I've got some videos on my Instagram for if anybody wants to look those up where I went on like a wet mountain bike ride or something mm-hmm. and I run my clean fingers down the chain after I just took my gloves off and it's like there's a little bit of waxy debris on there. Yeah. But it's, it's nothing like it would be with any other kind of lube. That was actually one of the... So when you first popped up, there was a... Your Instagram account I yeah. came across my feed and it was 901 Wax. I'm like, well, clearly that's here in Memphis. <laughs> And I saw that video and I was like, who is this? So then I was like, ah, the bike. I think I recognize the bike. And sure enough, you know, it was you. But that was one of the, one because that same, I, I rode that same day. Yeah. And my drivetrain was destroyed by the end. I hate riding in wet weather because I hate having to clean my bike, bike afterwards. Yeah. yeah. So annoying. Still hate it. Yeah. I mean, this, um, uh, go on the cleaner aspect and we'll, we'll get back to faster. But yeah. on the cleaner aspect, look, folks, if you have um, small children, <laughs> that just love to barehand your chains for some reason. Or grown children. Or grown, or grown children. <laughs> that just still have to barehand chains. Like, I would highly consider. Uh, or if you're one of those guys who always has the grease mark on your leg. Like, <laughs> Chuck them. We, yeah, we've well, advanced as a society. Cat 5 tattoos. <laughs> we've advanced as a society. There's no more that. need for grease marks on your legs. You can wear white socks again. Yeah. I uh, This weekend, we had our team camp, and I, for some reason dropped my chain because I was dumb shifting like big to small under load and dropped the chain like three times. And like, I, you know, bare hand the chain to put it back on. Yeah. And I'm like, eh, I'll have to throw these gloves away now. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, clean, clean is a, is a pretty big one. I mean, Oh yeah. Especially yeah. if you like throw your bike in your car and that's what I was going to say. Stuff like yeah. That. That's, that's a huge aspect of the whole thing. Um, so go back to the faster. So okay, two to eight okay. watts. Yeah, nobody really cares about clean. Okay, time faster. We'll, we'll get back to that. Time trialist. So time trial. Okay. You know where where efficiency is is the name of the game. Marginal gains are the name of the game. Um, kind of dive into some of that information. Yeah. So for people doing time trials or triathlons, the wax chain is huge. Um, some numbers here: eight watts saved if you're doing 250 watts for a 40k. TT, that's eight watts is going to save you forty nine seconds. That's substantial. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. That is you very know, substantial. What is that? That compares to. Gosh, I'm trying to think back to that like old school infographic they used to throw out. Mm-hmm. I, I want to say that's up there with the aero helmet, like a decent aero compared to a road helmet, like yeah, right. a decent aero helmet compared to a road helmet. Like that's pretty similar savings, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah that's so, substantial. Especially for the price, because, you know, a wax chain costs a little more, but you got to buy a chain anyway. Mm-hmm. And we'll get into the other benefits of it, but yeah. just on the speed alone, that's a huge benefit. And that's 40K. Yeah. 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 If you talk 100 plus. You're talking 112 miles. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's Yeah, all that adds up for sure. Minutes. Yeah. Minutes. Potentially, you know, making the a couple of differences and yeah. where you're going to place in the finish. Yeah. Or the uh, higher speeds or, you know, same speed, less effort. Yeah. You're saving that eight, that eight Watts. And for some people, eight Watts can be, that's a zone jump. Like that's mm-hmm. jumping yeah. from zone two to zone three or three to four, you know, mm-hmm. something like that. And then if you can ride the same speed in a lesser effort, your, your legs are fresher for the run. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. So it's huge for, time trials, triathlons, stuff like that. But then also I have some numbers on like road racing or crit racing. Okay. So in a 200 meter sprint, 
if you if it's a 35 mile an hour sprint and you save eight watts, that saves you one foot eleven inches. So There's a lot of photo finishes. I personally have lost a number of races <laughs> by like an inch or yeah. two inches. Yeah. So we're talking about almost two feet here, just in a 200 meter sprint. So even and then when you're up at our speeds at what like 45, 50 miles an hour, 60. <laughs> so 40 miles an hour, one foot six. 45 miles an hour, one foot two. So even a 45 mile an hour, that's like a pro sprint. Oh, exactly. Yeah. That's a foot. Yeah. yeah. So it's half of that's, half that's huge. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That <laughs> makes, it makes a difference. So, you know, it is a marginal gain. You're not mm-hmm. going to win or lose strictly based on this, but, but you could, you could. <laughs> well, and then if you factor in over, you know, a lot of those, a lot of races. So if you take amateur level, you know, most cat four or five stuff, you're looking at, you know, 25 to 40 miles typically for like a road race. Yeah. So if you think about wattages saved over right. the course of 40 miles and then go up to, you know, pro level where, you know, the, the elite pros are doing what, 197, I think is the longest of all the races, 197 mile, 300 K. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, that's, that's a lot of opportunity yeah. to yeah. be saving legs and being fresher at the end, which is key. Um, so when we're dealing with athletes, it's always like, you know, how, how do we help you maximize your performance? Yeah. And we talk about the different pillars that we have. One of those is maximizing your equipment. You know, if you can, if it's financially viable for you, maximize all the areas you can. And ultimately those stack on, on top of each other. We do a lot of pedal stroke work just because we're big believers in being efficient there as well. So it makes perfect sense that you want to make sure your, your equipment's as efficient as it can be too. And I think that that is pretty good segue into the, uh, the next part of like the cost of, of these savings, because there are a load of things that you can spend money on to save Watts. I mean, I mean, y- you throw in those, uh, you know, throw in a ceramic speed, like yeah. jockey pulley or something, you're spending like $500 to save not even the same amount. Like it's like, what is right. it? I was actually going to use that as an example. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Sorry. The oversized pulley it. wheels like five or six hundred dollars yeah. more for some of them yeah those save roughly half a watt and like everybody knows that there's nobody even really claiming that it's more than that so, that's why they're starting to change the colors on them so yeah. that they look cool yeah so <laughs> if even if you are already like super obsessed with chain maintenance and you're using the nicest drip lube out there and you're only going to save two watts switching to wax that's the same as four oversized pulley wheel systems in, in my I, math that's I, about two thousand dollars yeah, yeah. <laughs> and all you have to do is buy an 80 dollar wax chain mm-hmm. so, so it's very cost effective and what about as far as like longer term if you're just comparing one chain to the other chain you know stay away from the pulleys and stuff if we're just comparing like the different lubes versus a, a wax chain do you have stats on that as far as costs like the longevity of yeah you know, does it last? It obviously, yeah. I would guess it lasts longer, um, but also the cost of the wax versus the cost of those that are using like a wet lube. Oh, okay. So yeah. like in my scenario, I would buy whatever's at the bike shop and put it on once a week. Obviously, it's going to fluctuate depending on the person, but um, put it on once a week, reapply, yada, yada, buy a new chain every, what, for me, half a year probably. Yeah. So, so a couple chains a year. Zero Friction Cycling, the website we were talking about earlier, he actually has these tables on there Mm -hmm. where he breaks down, he has, I got to 
picture of it here. He has probably 20 different lubes on here, including everything from hot wax to old school dry lubes and wet lubes and stuff like that. And he breaks down like how much you're going to spend on lubricant, okay? how much you're going to spend on chains, uh, cassettes, chain rings, like based on all his very extensive wear data from his testing. So, for example, this is for if you, he's basing these costs on Altegra components. So if you're using yeah, like Altegra use or too. SRAM Force or like anything at a similar price point, this applies. If you're using Durace or Red, like just bump these numbers yeah. up a little. Yeah, 1.5 it or so yeah. or 2 exit. Yeah, so this, is, this is for 10,000 kilometers ridden with M Speed Wax, which is what I use to okay. wax chains. He estimates you're running about $68. So that's chain wear, cassette wear, chain ring wear, and lubricant. $68 per 6,000 miles? Yeah, 6,000 okay. miles. Okay, 10,000K? Okay. So with like Silka Super K. Secret Drip, which is like one of the best drip lubes on the market, it jumps all the way up to $195. And he's got it all Three broken times. out. So you're spending more on lube with that because you have to apply it pretty often. And also, you're putting more wear into your drivetrain. So then if you're using a lesser uh, drip lube, the, the prices just go up. So like Allied Grax, for instance, he has the cost of the lubricant is lower, but it puts more wear on your drivetrain than the Silca. So that one's $255 per 10,000 kilometers, 6,000 miles. So the waxing can actually come out cheaper mm -hmm. than whatever you're currently using because even though you're paying for a wax chain, you're paying for rewaxing, you're putting so much less wear on your drivetrain. Because you got to think about those watt savings, that translates pretty much directly into drivetrain wear. Yeah. Because that's, that's where that's coming from is the efficiency within the chain. So with the other lubes, you're either the lubricant itself is less efficient or it's attracting more debris and grit and stuff. Yeah. Whatever's happening, it's wearing out the chain faster. Those eight watts are going into wearing out your chain. So yeah, when you're less switching friction, less heat, yeah. Less less breakdown of the components. Yeah. So when you are switching to wax, it's saving those watts, which is directly extending the life of your chain, which extends the life of your cassette. And your chain rings at the same time because those are the things that really add up. Like yeah. chains, not not crazy, not terrible. When you start replacing cassettes and yeah. and like a big chain ring, yeah, that that's where it starts getting spicy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> that's where I'm like, I could have bought a new bike by right. now, but each time I go to <laughs> buy something cool, I have to just replace parts. It yeah, sucks. Spending all my money on maintenance. Exactly. That's no fun. Lame. <laughs> uh, let's go into so cost clearly. Big savings there, yeah. um, especially long term. You know, yeah. when we start thinking about miles adding up, less on the what one chain costs for versus the next, but it's pretty similar, right? You yeah, charge what I, eighty bucks for a yeah. new chain and wax. Yeah, and I, okay. it's a little cheaper for like a SRAM Force chain. Uh, I have some ten speed chains; they're a little cheaper, but okay. most eleven speed or twelve speed chains are eighty bucks. Okay, um, let's go into like the maintenance side of things. So, like ease of Ease of maintenance. Yeah. Um, what are the kind of the differences there versus what conventional? I would say. Can I? I'm gonna. I'm gonna go sideways here Be for a second. What? <laughs> like, well, I've looked over the zero friction data and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Why? 
in the hell would Shram have a have the force chain be more efficient than the red chain? Nice. I'm glad we're talking about this. I didn't know if we would get to this. <laughs> why why would that ever happen? Ever? I don't know. I don't know what happened there. So I the explanation that makes the most sense to me is they had to make the red chain lighter than the force chain, right? Because it's higher level. And yeah. So in, yeah. Traditionally, that's what people looked for. Oh, exactly. In the higher end components. Wait, like, what, what's How many grams am I saving? So something happened with the development of the red chain. I don't know if it's the hollow pins or if they like used a different process for the hardening of the steel. That's another thing with like high-end chains versus low-end chains is, this is kind of a segue. But if you're buying cheaper chains, a lot of times that chain is just going to wear out faster and you're going to end up spending just as much on chains because the high-end chains, like SRAM calls it uh, hard chrome, I think. can't remember what Shimano calls it, but any chain manufacturer, their top one or two chains, they go through this extra process that's either a coating or like a hardening process that actually makes it last longer. So I think with SRAM, something happened with that process or with the hollow pins. And so the, on his website, he says that the red and the force last about the same time. They have similar longevity, but the force chain is actually just like a wee bit faster than the red chain. So (laughs) I don't know. That's that's why I carry force chains, though. I don't buy any red chains. What's and the what's point? the price difference? Right. Like in MSRP, what's it's the like double? Like, yeah, yeah. A red chain costs a lot more. Force chains are pretty cheap, really. Yeah, I mean, it's nuts. I had not seen that. The, the only yeah. thing, the thing that's if you're familiar with the SRAM, like the axis setups, like the they have that flat top or flat bottom mm-hmm. chain, and you can't use basically another chain right. with their system because of the. The, the the big pins and the size of the teeth and stuff like that. Um, so you only have one option if you're running Axis. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those of you out there running red chains, maybe don't. Time, maybe to, don't. T- time to save <laughs> some money. Yeah, <laughs> and some lots apparently. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's that's a very marginal savings. I mean, maybe half a watt at most. It's yeah. not like the force chain is drastically. So they're about faster. equal. They're similar. It's just the force is a little better and a lot cheaper. And a lot cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. That is crazy. So like jumping into the the whole like maintenance part of it. So like when you get a wax chain, what is what can people expect to get out of that wax job? Yeah. And like how often do you have to like redo it? Okay. So it depends a lot on the conditions, which this is something that a lot of people don't like about wax or like they're hesitant to use wax because if they ride in the wet, they think it's going to wear out faster. But really, it's the same with any lubricant. If you've ridden in the rain, especially, or if you've ridden like on wet gravel or something like that, like you need to do something with your chain. You need to clean it. You need to relube it. Whatever lubricant you're using, mm-hmm. the water is going to wear it out faster. So really, wax is very similar to other lubricants in that. It's just people don't take good care of their stuff sometimes. So they have this perception that they don't need to be reapplying their other lubricants as often as they might have to do wax in bad conditions. But in good conditions, dry road conditions, a wax chain is going to last easily 300 miles. I usually tell people to cap it at 300 miles because if you run it too long, you start to lose some of those 
uh, watt savings and cost savings because eventually you don't have enough wax on there for it to be well lubricated. So I don't want people pushing it really far. But mm-hmm. dry road conditions, 300 miles comfortably. Uh, an extreme example is I went on a bike packing trip a few weeks ago. And so we were on mountain bikes and first day it had, it wasn't raining, but it had absolutely dumped rain like two days before. So we had to cross all these creeks that were just flowing. And the first day we got started kind of late. I think we rode six or seven hours total that day. It's probably six. Um, We crossed, I don't know, 20 streams. Mm -hmm. (laughs) One of them, we were riding in the dark at this point. One of them was deep enough that we had to walk the bikes and like the bottom half of the chain was submerged. Okay. So this is like worst possible conditions. Off-road, mountain bike, single track, like crossing, constantly getting wet. So in that case, the wax chain lasted about 80 miles. Okay. Which may not seem like a lot, but that was about eight hours of ride time. So, But at the same time... If you had done that on a normal drip, like wax right. or a drip lube, you would have probably lubed your chain mid ride. <laughs> yeah. Like, got down and, and cleaned it a little bit yeah. and re lubed it. So that's the what chain. we ended up doing. I mean, half is... the people now in these long gravel events carry lube in their mm-hmm. bag mm-hmm. so they can re lube the chain when it gets all freaking dirty. Yeah. And... So we ended up re lubing. I carried just a little bottle of Silka Synergetic, which. We can talk about it at the end when we get to the extreme cases where wax okay. might not be the best. Okay. But so we we did relube mid ride because total we did 175 miles. Yeah, day two was like 12 hours or something. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, I remember big, looking at a big day. It was like a couple hours into day two when I checked mine and it was like dry, and I was like, oh, we got yeah. So what it, what is that the indication? Like just feel, or is it sound, or like I mostly tell people to go by sound. Okay. And it's kind of subjective, but like once you do it a few times, mm-hmm. it becomes pretty obvious. Okay. Because like we were talking about earlier, when you first put it on, your drivetrain is like silent. Mm-hmm. And so once you're getting to the end of life of that wax application, you'll start to notice the noise again because you'll gotcha. get used to how quiet it is. Yeah. So it becomes pretty obvious. So noise okay. is the biggest indication. Okay. You can tell just by looking at it. Because when it's brand new, you'll you'll be able to see the little bits of wax on the outside. So obviously, you can't tell how much is inside, and the wax on the inside stays better than the wax on the outside. But if you look at your chain and like the wax on the outside is completely gone, and you like if it's on on the bike, you can kind of flick the bottom, mm-hmm. and so the derailleur will like spring a little bit, and you can hear like the metal on metal dry sound. Okay. At that point, it's probably too far. Like gotcha. You, you're probably late. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. But that's that's how far we ended. I've kind of flicked it and it was like, oh, okay. I was like, oh yeah. We pushed it a little too far there. <laughs> so yeah, extreme conditions. I mean, like I said, 80 miles may not seem like a lot to some people, but that was eight hours of riding mm-hmm. in the conditions. That's we a lot of re- revolutions of the yeah. pedal stroke. Yeah. Yeah. So makes sense. dry road, 300, extreme conditions. 60 80 so it really depends on your conditions but generally if you're riding in dry even if it's gravel or mountain bike Mm -hmm. you're gonna get 150 200 miles out of it gotcha it's when it starts to get wet gotcha that it starts because when it's wet the wax is really good about like shedding the water because the water just like rolls off of it but as the water is like getting sprayed 
off the road or the gravel or whatever surface, it is bringing debris with it. And so some of that debris is getting carried inside the chain with the water as it's flowing. So that's why it starts to come apart a little bit with water. Gotcha. But compared to other lubricants, it still does a lot better because if you're using a dry lube and riding in the wet, obviously it's going to go away instantly Mm -hmm. because all you have on there is the little particles of lubricant that were originally brought in with alcohol or water or some kind of solution. And so as soon as they see water again, they're jumping in the water, they're out. (laughs) Later. So... With I had that happen at uh, the Oxford gravel race a couple of years ago when I was doing it. Yeah. It was a wet, wet morning. And fortunately it looped twice because uh-huh. my, my chain like was not shifting anymore. By the time I got 50 miles in, I was like, I still got to go 50 more miles. Yikes. And fortunately I was able to like give it a full, full cleanup. But again, by the end of the race, it was, it was jacked. Yeah. I was like, duh, this is not good. Yeah. So, um, so let's dive into a situation where wax may not be on. the best. Let's go back. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, if you're riding, like I said, a dry lube in wet conditions, not going to last at all. If you're riding a wet lube in wet conditions, which is what it's made for, it is going to last a lot longer because it's oil-based. But the problem with the wet lube is any debris and grit that you're picking up is going to stick in that oil. Okay. So your chain is lubricated, but there's also a lot of grit in there. So even though you've still got lubricant, you now have something else that's taken your watts wearing out your chain so with the wax based drip lubes that's like i said those are the best of the drip lubes the problem with a lot of those is penetration and contamination so they compared to like an actual hot melt wax they still get dirty really fast okay and then with the penetration issue a lot of the times especially like in colder conditions they're actually optimized for like a certain temperature. So depending on how diluted the wax is in there, in whatever solution it's in, like with Grax, Zero Friction Cycling said he did some testing on it and he found that it had to be like at least 80 degrees Fahrenheit for it to really properly like flow through the inside of the chain. Gotcha. So depending on what you're using, it's it might be a lower temperature than that, but like in the winter... In my garage, it's like 40 degrees. Mm-hmm. And so, like, if I've used cracks before and tried to put it on in the winter, and you have to, like, squeeze the bottle to even make it come out. So, it coats the outside of the chain, but it really doesn't coat inside the rollers very well. So, you end up with a partially lubricated chain. Gotcha. So, yeah. In in wet conditions, that's still a good option. So, that's kind of the order? But you have other issues, yeah. Okay. So dry lube worst, wet lube better, the wax component style the next best, and then hot then wax hot being wax. the the primo. Yeah. Gotcha. So but talking about longevity of the application of whatever lube you're using, it's wet lubes will last a really long time. So like we'll talk about in extreme conditions, wet lube may be the best choice for certain races or certain events, but the wet lube will last a long time, but like I said, it's going to get gritty and stuff. And you really only want to use that when you know it's going to be wet and it's a long enough event that whatever other lubricant is not going to last mm-hmm. the full duration of the event. Gotcha. So a wet 120-mile gravel race, yeah. you may want to go with. Right. That's one else. of the okay. the few 
scenarios where hot wax might actually not be your best option. Gotcha. Would that be the, that, that's kind of the biggest is just if it's in the wet and it's long, yeah. long duration. Yeah. It's all, it's all about the wet. Okay. If it's in the wet, like if it's, if you're doing like a full course triathlon and it's going to be raining, even if it's only going to be raining part of the time, mm-hmm. that's a situation where you might want to use a wet lube instead. Because it's going to get gritty and dirty, but at least you will be lubricated. Whereas if you used any of the others, or even if you used a hot melt wax chain, by the time you ride 120, what is it? 112. 112 miles. Yeah. If it's raining, like that wax is probably just not going to make it. Gotcha. So then the you're first metal on metal by the end. Right. Gotcha. So the first half you will be faster because the wax will be shedding the water and not picking up the debris. But then if the wax doesn't last the second half your chains rested by the end right <laughs> and so you're you're gonna lose time you're gonna do damage oh. to your chain okay so similar with like last year actually i did unbound 200 on a wax chain and it rained the first couple hours of it and so there are two aid stations i went ahead and relubricated at the first one which in hindsight may have been a mistake i wish i wasn't looking at making a business out of this at the time. So I wasn't really paying a lot of attention, but I wish I'd paid more attention. But I went ahead and put a wax-based drip lube on top of it. But then it was instantly just like gummed up and gritty and dirty. And Because really with those, you're supposed to let them dry after you apply them. Because like I said, they're in that solution that has to evaporate. So that was probably a mistake. just clogged everything. Yeah, so everything was just gross, but everything was clogged and muddy anyway. So I don't know that anything would have lasted that race. But the wax, it definitely lasted the first, forget where the first aid station is, like wherever it is, it was hours and hours. I think it was like six or seven hours in. Mm -hmm. And I think there was still some wax on there. Okay. But I wasn't going to make it to the next aid station. So gotcha. that's a situation where maybe if I had started with a wet lube, like Silka Synergetic is pretty widely agreed upon to be the best wet lube on the market right now. That might have lasted as long as I needed it to last. Or at least I could have reapplied it and you don't have to wait for it to dry or anything. Mm-hmm. So you could have an instant reapplication. It's a very nice muffled sneeze. <laughs> I'm a silence neither. <laughs> you could have a nice reapplication without it instantly getting gummed up gotcha. afterwards. All right, so let's dive in for the sake of time here. Let's dive into uh, your process. So run through, yeah. you know, hot waxing, what it is, how you wax a new chain. We won't talk about my used chain. We're going to talk uh, about And then, you know, re-waxings. Okay, so brand new chain. Most important thing to do, which this applies to any lube that you're going to use hot wax, whatever. The most important thing to do is just get rid of the factory grease. That's, yeah, that's on it. horrible. Yeah, there have there Did have been some put honey on it or what? Uh, zero friction cycling. I think it was him. Somebody referred to the SRAM factory grease as factory glue. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> so sticky. Paste. It's so yeah. sticky. I don't so understand why they? It goes back to like, okay, why would they? Why would they put out a chain that's not as efficient as the more expensive chain? Why would you put? grease on the chain that is awful horrible the one reason it has to have something on it when they ship it because they don't know how long it's going to sit and they don't want it to rust i don't know why they use such sticky nasty stuff but 
with any like metal item that's gonna sh- sit, it has to have some kind of yeah protective layer on yeah. it. So that's why they put. So let's some just kind do the worst on. one there is. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we got to get that off. Clearly, okay, we okay. got to get that off. Um, there's been some stuff online before where they it was like videos sponsored by Shimano or other chain manufacturers where they said like no it's actually a really good lubricant because where that comes from these chain manufacturers have done testing in a lab where they say like well this is within a few watts of whatever like the best drip lube on the market is so like what's wrong with this but the Mm. problem with that is is like a dry, clean lab condition. No debris, no, no debris road grime. So yeah, it, in one in one gear, probably no shifting. Yeah. yeah, perfect chain lines. Yeah, right. So if there's nothing there to stick to it, then it's decent as a lubricant. But as soon as it sees any debris, it's just gonna pick all that up oh, and for it gets sure. gross. Yeah. So I know what I used to do, and what a lot of people probably do is they just put whatever lube they're using on top of the factory grease. That not is a, exactly what I would been there. To do. Not a great move. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So first thing I do is strip off the factory grease. Uh, solvent. I use mineral spirits. Okay. Because it's cheap and easily available. Um, you do have to dispose of that properly. We have a waste facility here. I have like a waste bucket. When it gets full, I take it out there. They take it away, mm-hmm. dump it in giant containers. I don't know what happened to it after that, but it fever. doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> straight it, to the Wolf River. It doesn't go in my storm drain. So good, it's, good. That's good. Very responsible so, of you. After that, it has to sit in that for at least twenty minutes. Okay, a little longer for SRAM because it's so icky. But put it in there for a while. Shake it up real good to make sure it's shake it up at the beginning and at the end to make sure it's washing all the stuff out from the inside. After that, I go to the ultrasonic cleaner. Which why do you need to ultrasonic clean a brand new chain? I don't know, but there's like metal shavings and stuff. I was really surprised when I started doing this. I thought maybe that step would be unnecessary. Mm -hmm. But then like after I've run 20 or so chains through my ultrasonic cleaner and I'm changing out the fluid in there, there's like all kind of stuff in the bottom. Hmm. And I'm like, this nothing has been in here but new chains. Because that sticky stuff's collected all the shavings over the course. Oh, that'd be gone with the mineral spirits. Yeah. Huh, that's weird. Yeah. So that, that was kind of a surprise to me, but... That's step two is ultrasonic cleaning. Step three is uh, like an ultra clean step. I use 190 proof denatured alcohol. It's really nasty stuff. Makes you cough if ever you clear? breathe too close. This is where this is this is from your meth days. <laughs> <laughs> Take you back to college. <laughs> no. So this was actually um, I think it was a video from Silka. When I was researching all this, I, I consumed like all the information I could from from Silka, from Molten Speedwax, from Zero Friction Cycling. Those are my main sources. I also like read some forums where people make their own wax and stuff. But I was like, I just want to read all the options, figure out what the best way to do this is. And so it was actually a Silka video where he had used this very high proof denatured alcohol. And so what that does is any residue or like any little bit of mineral spirits that maybe got into the ultrasonic cleaner, anything that's on there gets eaten off by the alcohol. And then the other benefit is the next step is I hang them up to dry. That alcohol at that proof evaporates super fast. If you, you can do it with like a lower proof, but it could take hours and hours to get fully dry. Whereas this stuff is like 
unless it's just really cold outside. It's usually like an hour later, that thing is perfectly dry inside and out. Gotcha. So after the alcohol, hang to dry, and then it goes in the wax. And so what that looks like is I put it on a swisher tool, which I use bent up coat hangers, mm. um, which is... Dale would use swisher sweets. <laughs> Or his swisher tool? <laughs> no. It's poor. That was bad. Poor okay. <laughs> uh, goes in the wax in the crock pot. Okay. And so. You said crock pot. Yeah. Not crack pot. In the crock pot. Crock. Crock, crock pot. pot. Got it. <laughs> this is not the same one used for Thanksgiving meals, correct? No. Okay. This good. is not. This good. Is, I didn't steal my wife's crock pot. <laughs> I know. The first time I ever waxed my chains, it was a buddy of mine, and he he's literally had like stolen his wife's oh, big yeah. old crock pot. And then just put it back. Like, I washed it out. <laughs> <laughs> so, goes in the crock pot with the hot wax. It sits in there for about five minutes to make sure the chain warms. If you just dunk it, it'll have like this super thick layer of wax on the outside, none on the inside. It's a mess. It's not effective. So, you let it warm up to make sure that all the insides are warm and then you have to swish it because the additives that are in the wax that actually like make it extra slippery compared to just a straight wax settle to the bottom. So the wax is black, but like when it cools in the crock pot, it looks white on top because everything settles so much. So you have to swish it really aggressively, often make a mess. I have some wax on these jeans. I have an apron, but I'm too lazy to put it on. (laughs) Uh, you have to swish it in there after it warms up. That makes sure you get good penetration all on the inside, all the surfaces of the chain. Then you pull it out and hang it up and let it cool off. And the last thing I do is I have like a stiff cardboard tube from like some kind of packaging. And so I roll the chain across that to break all the links loose. Because when you first, when it cools, it's like I have taken a chain and it'll stand like straight out when you're holding it up to like 20 links like a third of the Mm. chain will just be sticking out there um so i break it loose just so you can get it on a bike Mm -hmm. or for me i'm rolling it up and packaging it so that's the process for a new chain uh i use chain uh i did one of bryant's chains (laughs) So last week, it's been last week, to get to this it one. was last week. Wow, yeah. I was looking forward to this. It was last Thursday. So I used chain. Basically, you're trying to achieve the same thing. You're trying to get it like perfectly clean, bare metal, no residue, no grease, nothing like that. So I use mineral spirits again, but in this case, my chain laughed. I let it sit for 20 minutes or so with the first bath of mineral spirits. Then I shake it, and the mineral spirits, which starts like perfectly clear, is just solid black you can't even see the chain inside the jar that it's in so i dump the mineral spirits put more mineral mineral spirits in i repeat that basically until it comes out clean sometimes i'll run it through the ultrasonic cleaner if it's a really dirty chain like yours so your chain took eight baths in mineral spirits and i think i was i did four and then i put it through the ultrasonic cleaner and then i did four more and then I put it through the ultrasonic cleaner again. It's a well-used chain. Yeah. And then I put it in the denatured alcohol, and it was clear enough. It still wasn't, like, <laughs> perfectly clear. Yeah. I was I was right. almost going to uh, let that one go to the old chain graveyard, <laughs> but uh, when Cole said he well, could. it's back. It's yeah. back. It's back from the dead. It's good as new. And I checked it with the chain checker, mm-hmm. and it was it had 
almost no wear on it. So it's back. Good to go. It's got a long, happy life ahead of it. It's going to be making its way back to coal, hopefully in a much better condition this time. (laughs) One bath only is the goal. Yeah. So, yeah, use chains, same deal. Want to get them super clean. Sometimes it takes longer than others, depending on what kind of lube or lack thereof people have used or WD-40, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever they've had on there. Some of them are really gross and sticky. Some people have taken pretty good care of it, and it's just like one or two baths of mineral spirits, ultrasonic, and it's good to go. So the rewax, this is where wax really gets good. And this is one of the things that sold me on it, is once it's waxed, if you maintain it, and by that I mean if you're rewaxing at a decent interval, if you're not pushing it way too long and getting it to where there's no wax left on it, you never have to clean that chain again. And I didn't believe that at first. And a lot of people are like, like they're, they shy away from wax because they, they hear about all this work you have to do initially to get it clean and get it set up. And they're like, I don't have time for that. Or I don't want to have, have to have a crock pot that I use with my bike. Like it doesn't even make sense. But basically the, unless you've run it way too far, like I said, there's always going to be a thin layer of wax on there. And so any debris or oils or whatever you've picked up is on the wax. It's not actually contaminated the metal surface. So I use a two-pot system. You don't even have to do this. It just makes the wax in the pots last for more chains. So I put the old chain in my dirty pot, and it's got like some wire mesh, like almost like chicken wire at the Mm. bottom. So the old wax melts off. All the debris settles to the bottom under that wire. And then I don't swish that one. I just pull it out, and so it's got some wax on it. I put it into the clean pot swish it like normal, hang it up, and it's good to go. So you don't have to use a two-pot system, like I was saying. It's just every time you put a used chain in there, it introduces some debris into your wax. And so you do eventually have to change it out. With a two-pot system, basically I can get a whole lot of chains, at least like 20, 30 chains before I rotate my wax. So my clean pot rotates down to become my dirty pot, and then I put fresh wax in the clean pot. Uh, okay. So if you're waxing at home yourself, you probably aren't going to have a two-pot system. But for me, it makes sense to make the wax last longer and keep it as clean as possible mm-hmm. since I'm doing a lot more chains than most people would if they were just doing it at home. For sure. So Even those that subscribe to the N plus one bike scenario. Yeah. You'd have to be doing a lot of chains. Yeah, I have a lot of chains. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so... That's another benefit I wanted to talk about, kind of going back to the cleaner thing. Uh, Depending on where you're at with chain maintenance now, if you are a never clean your chain person, going to wax is going to save you a lot of money because all your stuff's going to last way longer. If you are a clean your chain every ride person, wax is going to save you a lot of time Um, because it takes a long time to clean a chain. Whereas if you're waxing... Takes a long time to clean a chain if you do it right. Clean chain properly. Yeah. yeah. You're just if you have if the you little clean clip your on chain tool with your lube. Yeah. <laughs> not so not so fast. <laughs> <laughs> eh, may have done that. <laughs> yeah, I For guess that's fifteen years. <laughs> I guess I should say if you're using another lube, like re lubing, if you're just putting more lube on top of the dirty chain, like 
what you're doing is you're taking the debris from the outside and you're flushing it into the inside with your lube. And so Hide like that. like we were talking about earlier with wet lube, like it is lubricated, but it's also full of grit and debris and stuff that is taking your speed and wearing out your drivetrain. All makes sense. Yeah. So wax is the way to go. Wax in all but the one scenario. This that is we the heard. way. This is the way. Yeah. So the long course triathlon where it's raining or just like super wet, you might want to consider using a wet lube. Uh, like I said, Silk, Silka Synergetic uh, has really good, I think Zero Friction Cycling tested it and he found even in bad conditions, it can do like up to 400 miles oh, wow. on a single okay. application and still nice. be like reasonably well lubricated. Solid. The other thing is if you're doing a like marathon mountain bike, and again, it's it's either raining or it has just rained and everything's going to be wet or muddy or you have a lot of creek crossings and stuff. Again, wet lube might be a better option because the wax, like I said, it will be fast at the beginning. But if you get to the point where there's no more wax left on there, now you're metal on metal, you're losing time, you're wearing stuff out. Probably overall going to be worse off than if you had just started with a wet lube or something. So if it's a very long and very wet event. Those are the only situations gotcha. where wax might actually be a worse option than something else. All right. Gotcha. Well, how do people find out more about you, your services uh, for folks in the Memphis area for sure? Yeah. So tell the best us, way to find that. it is my Instagram, which is at 901 wax. Uh, you can just message me on there. I'm working on a website. I hope to have a website up soon, but uh yeah, my like I said, most of my chains are eighty dollars. There's a couple I think that are a little more. If you're like, if you're wanting to really optimize, I rewaxes are six dollars. Try to keep it nice and cheap and easy. Um, depending on how much you ride, some people would need to rewax like every like twice a week or something. There's some crazy people out there who are riding that much. That's not me. For most <laughs> people, it's like once a month, once every two or three weeks, something like that. Mm -hmm. um, the best way to go about it is to have a couple of chains. So depending on how much you want to spend, if you want to buy three or four chains, that's great for me. And you're not going to have to worry about rewaxing very often because all you have to do when one chain is pretty much spent, you just swap it out, put the new chain on. And then when you're ready to rewax, you can bring me all two or three or four or however many you have. And also that keeps you from having any downtime. Exactly. Yep. So you don't want to just have one chain that's waxed and then you need it rewaxed and you have to bring it to me and wait a couple of days and you can't ride your bike. That's no fun. So, Perfect. And then someone who has a used chain, what's the pricing on that right now? That All this is, is subject to change, obviously, but yeah. as of right now. $150 for your chain. Brian's... <laughs> Brian snuck in. I had it uh, in, in writing prior to on how yeah. much he was going to charge me. He didn't realize the condition of the chain. Yeah. So like a used chain, if it's still got life on it, they bring it to you. Yeah. So right now, $25. $25. Okay. That might go up as I get sick of it. That's if my, like, more my like mine. thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> if I end up with a lot more like yours, it's I just might a lot of time. Yeah. I mean. Mm -hmm. Also, a brand new chain, if you want to go ahead and get it waxed, like if you bought a new bike, it comes with a new chain. I'll do that for $25 as well. Okay. Um trying to think oh the other option i have is race powder which probably don't have time to go super detail no, we're talking so. now we're back into 
start calling you Heisenberg. <laughs> it's basically, it's the additives that are in the wax. It's in a powder form instead of inside the wax. And you put it on on top of the wax. It's supposed to save yeah, like half right. a watt. So if you're like, if this is your A-race time trial, you should probably think about that. For most people, it doesn't make sense because it's also like messy. Like mm -hmm. it's like gunpowder or graphite or something. But I have that option for $20 for the people who like really want to really need everything out of their bike for gotcha. some kind of like a, if you're going to time trial nationals or something like that. Oh. Um, yeah, I think that pretty much covers what I have right now. Yeah, all the options. And like I said, I use molten speed wax. I am kind of experimenting with some silica wax on my bikes because there is some test data that says that silica's wax might last longer in bad conditions. Okay. So that may be an option in the future. If somebody's interested in that, let me know. Cool. Um, awesome, man. I think that pretty much covers it. Awesome, man. Sweet. Very informative. It was. We appreciate you uh, coming and sitting on the couch with yeah. us. Yeah, Thank man. you all for having me on. Yeah. yeah bet. Well, we appreciate everyone hanging out, listening, watching. We'll catch you guys next time. Adios. Peace. Later. <laughs>